Hey folks, it's Alan uh, from Chats the Television Podcast coming at you from 2022 with an introduction for some audio from 2019, October 2019 specifically, which is when we recorded and released Pilot Chats 008 Sense8 over on our Patreon, which you can support over at patreon.com slash chatspod. Back in 2019, we watched the Sense8 pilot and we decided, well, we're probably going to want to watch this at some point. Maybe not right now with, with how we're feeling about the show's material, but it has potential. And lo and behold, three years later, almost exactly, wow, didn't plan that, uh, we are going to be starting Sense8. And so we're rebroadcasting that pilot chats uh, with a small edit to it so that, uh, you know, folks who aren't following us on the Patreon can see what we have going on there, what kind of content we're doing. And also people who are new to Sense8 can get a feel for from the pilot what first-time watchers uh, had to say about it. Although myself, I'm not a first-time watcher. I saw the first season. We'll talk about that. You'll hear it. You'll hear Magellan's first-time takes. It'll be a lot of fun. I always come up here to preface that this is a podcast from 2019. So maybe we said some stuff that we don't agree with now. Um, I don't feel like I should be held responsible to something I said on a podcast three years ago, but... Uh, it's not like I said anything like wildly inappropriate on this, so I'm fine airing it mostly unedited. The only thing is the first five minutes or so were cut out because they are from an era of pilot chats when we uh, would just kind of riff before we decide to start the podcast. We still do that on Chats Nights, which is our less formal talking show, talk show, you could say. Uh, but on Pilot Chats nowadays, we go straight into the theme song and episode discussion. And back in 2019, we were kind of like, oh, we'll just start when we started. So if you want to hear us just kind of ramble and talk about our our days and what's going on, um, I highly recommend subscribing to the Patreon, patreon.com slash chatspod. One or three dollars a month will get you uh, this episode as well as all the other Pilot Chats. We've covered a ton of shows that we've even gone on to do on chats like Love the Leftovers uh, and The Prisoner. Uh, and more that I can't think of right now. But anyways, um, what you're getting here is free and everybody gets to listen to it. So uh, next week after this, we will be starting our official coverage of Sense8 uh, with Season 1, Episode 1, Limbic Resonance. After inexplicably seeing a vision of a woman that they have never met before, eight uniquely different people from across the globe start seeing and hearing things that they have not experienced. And then we're also moving forward into Season 1, Episode 2. I am also a we. Nomi's fortunes take a dark turn, while the rest of the Sensate's connections become stronger and more dangerous. So come back next week as we talk about episodes one and two, and we reappraise that pilot and also move forward with the series. And we'll be doing two episodes a week as our usual methods. The show is on Netflix. You can watch it anywhere that you have Netflix. And uh, yeah, please enjoy this this fun old episode of Pilot Chats. Cheers someday I so I can... I get the sense get that it. I don't need to watch Cheers. But but we're from the East Coast. We are from the Boston area. Shouldn't we have to watch it? Isn't it the law? I don't know. Can somebody tell us if we have to? Yeah, tell us. I know Ted Danson. Ted Handsome is in that show. Ted Handsome's in that show. Yeah, but he's also in the in the American anime series, <laughs> The Good Place. The good place. I, I revealed to Magellan that The Good Place is ostensibly an anime. If you de- depending on how you describe it, and he was this like, is your this is your video essay, man. You can't give the whole thesis away. Oh shit! <laughs> I but like this is going to be a great video. Forty five minute long rambling unedited video essay where I talk about The Good Place being anime. Yeah. Hey cool. Guys, well, today we're talking about a really classic show, The Good Place. It's still airing, but it's basically what defines a classic. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines classic as on now, pilot chats. Magellan sure, and I the watch. The place has its problems sometimes. <laughs> they like always start those videos by saying like, "Look, it sucks. I know this show is trash, 
But anyway, here we go. This anime season's been one of the worst of ever of all time, but here's why Demon Slayer is literally the best anime of all time. I'm yeah. still annoyed by this. <laughs> this is Twitter crap from like two weeks ago when we were talking about this. But anyways. Oh, how that one best anime or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some of my students were, were upset about My Hero Academia beating um, Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, that's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, MHA's not done, to be fair. Right. But Full Metal Alchemist is extremely good. Anyways. It was well, kind of a nice moment of vulnerability from them, because uh, I was like, guys, My Hero Academia is good. And they're like, yeah, but like, My Hero Academia makes you cry once. Uh, Full False. Metal Alchemist, you cry in the in the third episode. <laughs> something. False. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, at least teen boys are crying, man. Let's That's just all let, we really want, right? Let's yeah. just let that be what, what the victory is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. May did, I start? Here? Yeah, you can... We're, this is what people are paying for, is this this repartee, this back and forth, this I know, talking. I know. How do you spell repartee? Is there two E's? Uh, no, no, no. I bet it's spelled very similarly to repertoire, and I don't know how to spell that one fully Oh, I know either. how to spell repertoire easily. R-E-P-E-R-T-O-I-R. Here's a question for the folks at home. In our pre-conversation, I was trying to think of the word for when... Pedantic! Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 He answered his own question. I got it. The word for when pedantic. That guy who was being mean to you, Alan, was being pedantic. I got you. He was. He's very pedantic. Repartee. R-E-P-A-R-T-E-E. I was right. It is two E's. Two E's. I know French. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's usually one is accented and one is not. That's how that works. The way this usually works is we watch the pilot of a TV show that somebody recommended to us or that we recommend to ourselves, and we try to determine its chat's ability, what it serves for us as chat's hosts, and uh, what we thought of the pilot. So uh, for this episode, for Pilot Chats 8, we thought it would be appropriate to watch the J. Michael Straczynski, Wachowski sisters, Netflix original live action anime <laughs> not literally <laughs> but it's another one that I mean everything that Wachowski make I mean, Wachowski's make these days feels like anime mm-hmm. uh tv show sense eight um john do you want to hit the kid to hit the folks with some basic info about what is sense eight huh. yeah okay i just hit the folks you didn't see it but i <laughs> Clown. Clown. Okay. i also definitely didn't hit the folks but i pretended that i did so Sense 8, the summary of this particular show is as follows. Uh, Sense 8 follows the story of eight strangers across the world who are thrust into each other's lives, each other's secrets, and in terrible danger. As they attempt to discover the meaning of their unique connection, a shadowy organization common commandeered. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. A shadowy organization commandeered by an elusive figure known as Whispers aims to hunt them down. Oh boy! Oh, spicy man! Yeah. Uh, it says here the origins of Sense Eight date back several years before the announcement of the show to quote a late night conversation about the ways that technology simultaneously unites and divides us. When deciding to create a television series, Lana Wachowski chose to brainstorm ideas with JMS because of his extensive experience working with the format by inviting him to her house in San Francisco. After days of discussion, they decided on creating a show that would explore the relationship between empathy and evolution in the human race, necessitating filming on location in several countries across the world. The title of the show was thought up by Lana on their second day of brainstorming as a play on the world, the word sensate, and the notion of eight main characters. Ah, we watched 
Limbic Resonance, which is the mm-hmm. first episode of the first season of Sense8. It was written by the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by the Wachowskis, and it came to Netflix on June 5th, 2015. Uh, in this episode, eight strangers from cities around the globe begin having experiences that defy explanation. John, I want to open by asking you, what is your history with this show? Have you heard of it? Have you watched any of it? What, what do you got? Um, I Let's see. 2015 would put us... Summer of 2015 puts us uh, just before our last year of college. And that summer I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time. And I am pretty sure that I was aware of Sense8 when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I heard the premise and was like, whoa, that's that's a cool idea for a show. Um, And... I never watched it. I don't really know why. I I was watching Netflix originals at the time. Like I was watching House of Cards. I was watching. Um, oh my God! What's the other? Did one you watch Orange watching? Is the New Black? No, I've never watched Orange Is the New Black. Um, what was the other? There was another one that I was watching, and I can't remember what what it was. But I I was. That was kind of the point at Netflix Originals where it curved away from like I knew what they all were. Like you could now. watch all of them feasibly. Yeah. Yeah. To now where it's like I don't even know like how many exist. It feels like dozens and dozens and dozens of Netflix Originals exist. And I don't mm-hmm. know what even a, a quarter of them are. Um, so I've known about Sense8 for a while, and I've known that it seems like something that I would like and that I'd want to watch. I just have never gone around to, to watching it. Um, but I know that, that you watched it, or that you at least watched the first season of it, right? Correct, yeah. In as at the year that it aired, uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine from college uh, recommended it to me. And I've always been a fan of the Wachowski since The Matrix and stuff, and I liked, uh, I'm one of the weirdos who likes Jupiter Ascending a lot. So I was even like, I'm into their modern stuff. Bring it on. The show sounds gay. I was not even <laughs> out or like understood my sexuality at the time yeah. when I first watched the show. So yeah. like it was a really big deal watching this in that period of college where I was like, is this is this a big mood actually? Um, and it's nice to go back and watch it and realize that a lot of it is in fact a large mood. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so I would talk about it like week to week with that friend as we were like blasting through it. And then uh there was a break and then they did a christmas special which was like an hour and a half long uh episode that like notched up the action and it was like really exciting and then like sets up season two and i was like oh my god i'm so ready and then season two came out and i just didn't get back to it i think once i graduated i was like just very busy and i started working and i wasn't even talking to that friend as often so i like fell off of it but i always heard that it was uh it stayed really good and then it got canceled um in hindsight it makes so much sense why it was canceled because they're they're shooting they're shooting on location for everyone (laughs) yeah right which is bonkers expensive yeah i can only imagine and they're also having them like be in each other's scenes a lot which i'm assuming they do plenty of like composite shots for that but some of it looks so good that you're like did they just i think they flew people out for this yeah probably right right and so, like, one of the things that I always remember wanting out of this show was, like, I just want them to all meet. Because the way that it ends up working is basically you have these eight disparate plots. And it makes the series feel, just to get into our thoughts on it, so fast-paced. Like, mm-hmm. 
blazingly fast. You're going through all the plots. Each one gets like a, a 60 second long scene and then we're jumping to the next one. Bing, bang, boom. Just so that there's the feeling that everything is happening in equilibrium. Uh, and then they cross over in weird ways. And I know as the series goes on, um, they cross over more explicitly and like villains uh, come between them and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a really dynamic show. And I'm curious like what you thought about this first episode just being dropped into the pool like that. Yeah, I I, I want to see the premise uh, develop to the point that the characters understand what's going on because that doesn't happen in the first episode. So it's hard for me to assess how well I think it's executed. Um, I think in terms of like the way that the cinematography shows the connections between them, it's done really, really well. I thought that the show was pretty beautifully shot. Um and the way that the camera will uh, transition between certain scenes is cool, or like certain characters, the actors replace each other from shot to shot, or within a single tracking shot, they go out of frame and come back in frame as somebody else. Like all of that stuff I thought was really interesting. Um, it made it hard. It made it hard for me to follow who everybody was in the first episode. Like, I, I think I could describe to you who the eight people are. I don't know anybody's names. I don't know if anybody was named. I think only not. some of them were, were named in this. There was definitely parts where I was like, oh, that guy's friend. What's his face? And I couldn't remember for it meant the love of me because, yeah, like a lot of them don't have names yet. Um, and it's I think it's generally tough for me to to hold on to TV characters names right away. Oh, yeah. This show will yeah. be tough. <laughs> you, you can you can hit the archive, the chats archives and listen to me. <laughs> botch like every farscape character's name for the whole first season or whatever yeah sure um so i'm trying to figure out like how much does the one safe cracker guy's like brother or friend or whoever that is matter yeah and like what's up with the lady in india and like yeah i don't know so that's not a knock or a positive. It's just a different kind of um, viewing experience because it, it I, I told you this um, before we got on that uh, the discussion of, of this pilot, we can kind of get into like plot, but there's so there's so much that it feels like so much is happening. But then really when you step back and talk about it, there's not a lot of plot, I feel like. Right. Each, Be- like, a, all my notes boil down to, like, and then this just kind of happens, you know? Because you could cut together each person's scenes into, like, a five-minute short or something. Definitely, definitely. And so really there there isn't a ton of depth in each person's thing it just feels like there's a ton going on because you you keep going back and forth between them and so really what this ends up being about is it's not a show that's about what happens it's a show about like how it feels um and so i think the conversation can be there and and that might be more fruitful for us um but overall i really enjoyed the experience i was carried along throughout there were some of the eight characters that i really want to see a lot more of there were some that i'm like okay yeah i don't, I don't super care about their plot um 
like uh oh like the cop guy yeah great it's okay like, so whatever. i was gonna say let's <laughs> let me try and just go down the eight and i'll, I'll ask you sort of what you thought generally about great. each of the plot lines i think that's great. a clean way to talk about this yeah um so we, i mean we open actually with a scene that i remember watching and thinking this has to be important this has to be like yeah key to understanding this, <laughs> yeah. this show. yeah isn't it it is it kind of. I mean, it's just basically a woman in white is in like a alley or whatever, or in like a abandoned building. It's like a church or something. A church, and this guy Jonah, who's played by the guy who plays um, Saeed in Lost, which made me excited. Oh yeah. Uh, what's the actor's name? Naveen Andrews. Uh, he's, he's Jonas, rather is his name. Um, she's dying. He's like, "You're gonna be okay. You need to help the the people." She's like, "I don't know if I can do it." He's like, "You can do it." And then she like does some magic stuff, and then she starts appearing in everybody's lives, and we're introduced to all eight of our our, our friends, the Sensates, which I love so much that they're called the Sensates. That makes me very happy <laughs> as a fan of wordplay. Um, and uh, yeah, you're just like this is weird, but like you're not gonna see that lady very often. She's like herself, not that important. She's kind of just like the person who gave them their power, and like you said focusing on the show for plot and for like understanding who the villain is and what the motives of him are is like you're not gonna have a good time because they never get really deeply into that stuff but if you're just like i like this character and i want to see them develop you're gonna get plenty of that um i believe we do actually get a little bit of whispers in this pilot as well like he finds jonas and the woman he for a second when he was behind her in the frame out of focus it was like is that j michael straczynski playing the bad guy <laughs> he does kind of look like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> he does look like a skinny like a, a slightly thinner j jms oh that's God. true he's got that like glasses like white hairy yes that's true um so we have our eight uh i'm just gonna go down the indb listing and see if w- what we can remember about each of them uh, we have a woman in, in Korea named uh, Sun Buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her. What we learned about her in this episode is that she has a brother that she co-runs, co-runs a company with. And uh, she's trying to run it herself because she's a strong woman. But uh, the Chinese people that she's working with are really, really sexist and really misogynist. Mm-hmm. And they don't think that she can close a deal by herself. That's kind of it. Yeah, we don't get a lot else from her, right? The, the only other thing we really see is when the chicken pops up on her desk. Yes, uh, yeah. the chicken from uh, Caffius' story, which is in Nairobi. Uh, Caffius mm-hmm. runs. This is a really fascinating one to me because uh, the idea of like buses that are used to transport people is like way less common in the U.S. You know, people like running their own small bus companies, uh, yeah. just because yeah. the way we do public transit's different. But him and his friend uh, are in uh, Nairobi trying to get uh, their bus called the Van Dam off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> They're big pop culture guys. They love J- JCVD. So do, sorry, do we want to talk about each person, or, or are you going to summarize each person first? Well, so I guess there is. Like, do you have anything to say about the Korea plot? No, I guess not. So yeah, I mean, as I go through, if you're like, I think this, yeah, this, yeah. we can we can kind of right, cool. pause for sure. No, it's okay. Um, I'm just trying to segue between them efficiently. But but yeah, so Suns, I I will say I love her. She's probably up there in like my top three favorite Sensates, um, just because I really love the like business lady stereotype and that that character arc is really exciting. Yeah. Um, she's also badass. I think we see a little bit of her doing some like, uh, some sort of stuff in this episode. Not like uh, I don't want to guess what the fighting style is, but I know that, she, that we we do see her briefly doing some sort of fighting in this before she's oh, okay. like that's weird. In her first shot, yeah. Oh, I see. 
Um, so she's cool. I, I like that. One thing that I appreciate about the way that they've sort of designed the eight characters is because they're so spread out geographically and also spread out in terms of like their lived experience, mm-hmm. you can have really, really jarring cuts between, um, between people's lives that it's like, Oh my God, this is a totally different world. Like you can go from Nairobi and from the sort of noisy outdoor area where the guy is, is yelling and trying to get people to ride the bus. And then all of a sudden we're at like the top of a huge skyscraper in cloudy, silent Seoul, South Korea. Um, and it's like a totally different place, totally different mood. I, I like that it's possible to do that in the show. Right. The transitions are really elegant and they're one of my, they're one of my favorite like directorial things about the show is that they always feel vaguely appropriate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the idea of like Sun seeing a chicken on her desk when she's already stressed out is like so believable because she's just like she already thinks her mind is fraying because she's just dealing with this trash man. Um, I will say the performance of the guy who's like shitty to her and who's like uh, women don't close things. They only open them. Which it's a little cartoonish. Yeah, so that's the thing. A lot of the show is like that. That's another thing I mean, you have to like get a little bit used to is like there's a lot of nuance and subtlety in some of their performances. And then there's also a lot of like cartoon transphobia, cartoon sexism. Like bad people are extremely bad in this right, show. Right, right. Um, because you don't really have time to to make them more subtle than that. Right. The only villain who we see a lot of is that Whispers guy because he's in the he's in the whole show. But like can we, otherwise, can we just if we do this show, call him J. Michael Straczynski? <laughs> I think we have to. <laughs> yeah, I think we must. Um. So we have Caffius. I loved. Um. I think his his plot starts out really silly. I mean, we see him like helping out his mom. Like he yeah. cares about his mom a lot. He's we like, know that I he's think like today is going to be a good day. Yeah, and then it's not because nobody's getting on the bus. The um, fact that their bus is themed after Jean Claude Van Damme was the funniest thing in the episode to me. It yeah, it's very funny. And that the bat van, <laughs> the bat van, yeah, is like the cool one. And then he's like, "Man, like maybe Jean Claude Van Damme isn't cool anymore." And his friends like, "No, no, he's he fights sick. with his fists and his heart. <laughs> he's awesome. He rules." And they're right. Um, <laughs> This, I so kept writing funny, in my right? in my uh, in my notes that the humor the humor in this show reminds me of, like The Simpsons sometimes, where it's just like so weird and specific because they're like, oh man, John Con Van Dam, what are we gonna do? Oh no, Bad Van, no, they're kicking her ass. <laughs> <laughs> like the gag is just the visual, basically. Yeah. Um. So there's a good amount of that, but uh, I feel like we don't actually get a lot more than that, other than like they eventually get enough people on their bus. A guy gives them a chicken. That's the chicken that ends up being in son's office or appearing in son's office mm-hmm. um and that guy is like this will cover more than you think save me an egg which is just cute like yeah i really appreciate uh positive portrayals of like life in africa that aren't like focused on war and uh drugs and whatever what have you just because i think yeah. that's like not covered a lot it's the show kind of is kind of making a statement to the audience i feel like of you know, when he's with his mom, you know, if you've seen countries in Africa depicted a certain way in media, you are expecting a certain kind of world to be outside. And then it cuts to him going to his Jean-Claude Van Damme themed bus. And the show's saying, like, this is 
let's, this is what it is really like. Let's actually look at the real world and people who live in like very specific real circumstances. Um, I thought that that was pretty cool and well done. Right. I think, and, and, and even just like the handing him the chicken thing is just like, people are friendly and silly and everyone like kind of knows each other. And there's like a comfort in that, in the Nairobi scenes that I really love. And they, they stick to mostly, Mm -hmm. uh, there's obviously a lot of stress. Everybody goes through a lot of like danger and stress in this, in the show. Um, the way it was sold to me, which I think is fascinating. They do not get into this in this episode, but I'll say it now is the way that their powers start to manifest is like, not only do they see and feel each other, but like if one person knows how to do something, everyone knows how to do it. Oh, that's cool. Right. So like son knowing how to do combat is how they have people get into fights is what I'll say. Uh, and stuff like that. So it's very exciting to just like get to that stuff. But for now it's like, it's pretty sick. They're getting visions of each other, you know? Um, but we don't really get a lot of Nairobi outside of that. I do remember that plot getting a little weird. Also, they changed the actor for Caffius in season two, um, which Mm. is a bummer. They like, don't talk about it. Oh, they just re- they just do a straight up replacement and it's like I like this guy a lot. Amal Amin is the current actor for Caffius Why Change. Why do they do that? I'm not sure. I think it might have been. A, I'm assuming. I'm I'm gonna guess that it was like a contract negotiation thing, but I don't actually know. I can't speak to that. It's unfortunate though because the other guy I think is not as exciting and not like as like lovable. Honestly, hmm. um, we also have Kala, who we don't get named in this episode, but she's from India. Um, yet another plot line who, which I feel like is just plastered on the wall. Like, this is what this is about. I know, I know right? She goes to Ganesha, the a statue of Ganesha and says, Hey, ma- Hey, my it's God. Like, as soon as she's talking to her dad and she's going to get married, you know, it's like, okay. She's it's not going to love like the husband. She doesn't like her husband. She doesn't want to get married. She wants... I, I don't mean to sound like an ass, but obviously, like, that happens in people's lives, but it is very, very classic, very tropey. Yeah, it's... um, It, it plays a lot in those tropes. It gets more interesting, too, just because, again, like, she starts to feel other stuff beyond just, like, I know this, that it's raining, even though it's not raining here. But she goes to Ganesha and is like, hey, uh, and this is just basically her like delivering her plot. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, I work for a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And the CEO's son is is really handsome. And he uh, is arranged to be married to me in a week. And here's the thing. I don't love him. <laughs> like, thank you. I, I really wanted to be talking to the statue and, and be like, but here's the thing. I am very gay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I wanted that to be like a nice uh, blunt twist on, on the trope, but that did not happen. Yeah, they definitely do a lot of stuff like that on the show. Uh, Rajan, I believe is her, her betrothed's name. He's he's pretty cool. He ends up becoming a character. Um, they will they do play with that. I don't want to spend the whole time being like, here's what they actually end up doing yeah, with don't, this character. Yeah, don't. Don't tell me too much. Um, but it's it's a little bit more nuanced than it it seems here. But for now, she has what she doesn't get a lot of time. I know you were talking earlier about like. I, think I would before. say these three are the ones that get the least, right? Yeah, son is just like sexism exists, and <laughs> this one is just like uh, some people don't want to get married to the person that they're getting married to, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So we have them. We have. Uh, I'm trying to get to like the some of the shorter ones. Let's just talk about Will. Let's just get Will out of the way. Will the cop, Will Gorski from Chicago. Uh-huh. I don't like him. 
Tell me more. I don't remember ever coming to like him. I think, I mean, he's, he's like handsome, sure. And he like opens the door and he's like, stop playing the EDM. And then he opens it and it's not actually in the next door. The next door is empty. He's hearing the EDM from Riley's show in London. Um, so there's that. And then he goes with his partner, Diego. And I think this is the one where this show's tendency to like beat you over the head with its themes is like frustrating. Yeah. Because they go through the sort of like bad part of town and talk about like, hey, you ever think about how these guys hate us as much as we hate them? Man, cop being a cop means that you have to learn to deal with criminals. And it just feels so telegraphed and uh, bluntly handled. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like... There are a couple things about his character specifically that I wasn't crazy about. It feels like, maybe this is a little cynical, but it feels like he was kind of put in there. So that to, there could be a white guy. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> So that there could be a, a like a white guy, there could be a cop. I'm assuming he's heterosexual. Like, uh-huh. just kind of like, it's like an are you not entertained sort of flourish to have this guy as one of the eight. Um so that's weird. And then the other thing about it is that he is made to be cartoonishly noble. Uh, <laughs> so like, dumb. I'm the one who's going to save this kid. When, like, his partner would never... What person would be like, let's leave this kid to die from a gunshot wound? Yeah, it's really, it's really absurd. It's like... Like we're not let's not, we're not gonna call an ambulance. That kid's gonna die anyway. Like nobody's gonna do that. That's Diego, insane. Diego's bad. The problem with Diego also is like they got the white guy to be the nice guy, and then they got the like yeah the guy yeah. named Diego to be like meh. The guys are gonna die anyways. Don't uh-huh. save the gangbanger. It's like uh-huh. what are you doing? And then the and then the lady at the hospital who's like whatever. I'm sorry, can't save him. All right, hospital policy. And then it's like, it takes the compassion of the white guy for her <laughs> to be like, you know what? That kid is dying from a horrible gunshot wound. Maybe we should do something about that. She's like, okay, I guess. And then she has the gall. You, again. you, you twisted my arm. She has the gall to come back and be like, hey, he's fine. If he goes on to kill a cop, what are you going to feel about that? And he's like, it's fine. <laughs> he's alive. That, the thing, yeah, the other thing that bugged me about him is that when other characters challenged him with those, like, flimsy-ass, insane responses, he just was totally speechless. Yeah. <laughs> when she's like, what happens if he kills a cop? He's like, he was uh... like, huh, you've asked me a very hard riddle. I don't know. I Instead of just being like, that. lady... What? Excuse me? <laughs> what? Also, a black woman working in a hospital telling a white guy to let a black child die is like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. things the Wachowskis are really good at handling. Uh, uh, limbic resonance, the idea of like people feeling each other, transcendent theory, uh, sexuality and gender, things they're not well, very, very, very good at handling. Uh, race, like ever. <laughs> it's yep. one of their weird blind spots, it seems like, yep. uh, consistently. So that's this is my least favorite plot, I think. Yeah. In the whole show. Um I would say it was this and then the character that I like didn't care about the most was the was the safe cracker guy. Oh man. There was some fun stuff in his plot. 
like the fact that he just loves singing competition TV shows and that like calms him down. Uh, but was he the one who peed on his dad's grave? Yep. Yeah, it's like I hate my dad. My dad was like a great criminal and I want to be a great criminal, but also I hate my dad. And he laughed at my recital or whatever. He laughed because I, I was too nervous to sing at my recital and he like cackled at me from the back like a cartoon supervillain. And now I hate my dad and I love singing competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I like, so for some of these, I definitely enjoy the side characters much more than the character. Mm-hmm. So like for him, his name is, by the way, Wolfgang. Mm. Um, and his buddy Felix is fantastic. Felix like Wolfgang I liked, is, yeah. Felix is just really charming and funny and likable. And then Wolfgang is just kind of there to be with Felix. Like their friendship gets flushed out and they're like really nice together. But I think, yeah, Wolfgang is like kind of bland as an in, actor. In some of those scenes, I think before it had really sunk in that Wolfgang was the guy, I was assuming that Felix was the guy because he was just more interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, so with Wolfgang, I mean, you see him at his uncle's funeral and then they're like, you should go pay respects to your dad. He really likes your dad. And then he's like, okay. And then he pees on his dad's grave. And then this guy, again, like cartoon characters on this show, guy with like a million tattoos and he's shaved and he's like, guys, I found this really cool safe. It's a rich guy safe. And I don't think you can crack it and I'm going to crack it. And they're like, okay. And then they go and they break in ahead of him and that you don't think he's going to be able to crack the safe for a while. He's like trying to hear the tumbler falling and doesn't find it. Uh, they have a whole hour though. I love that. Like, this is not a hard break in. <laughs> it's just, you guys have an hour. You're not going to get caught unless you leave something behind. Like, don't worry too much. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I'm tired. Let's go watch TV. And then they just watch TV for like 15 minutes. Yeah. That's uh, the woman on the TV has like, a beautiful voice and he's like she has a voice like an angel and then felix is like uh her eyes are too close together she's not gonna win <laughs> he's like don't be cynical and then she gets eliminated after we see wolfgang's past and he's like damn people do be do be getting judged that sucks <laughs> um, it was it was kind of weird to me that the like most uncrackable safe was just a tumble lock like that right they make such a big, a big deal about like you cracked the uncrackable and it's like it looked like just a safe yeah he just kind of had to listen to it it didn't seem that hard uh and he cracks it and then we get this gorgeous shot from inside of the safe every once in a while i mean this show is very pretty i think Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's gorgeously shot that you like i think it works immensely in their favor that it's shot on location because you get a lot of like culture and flair and like good lighting and stuff from all the different settings but you know you get to watch these flourishes and you i just keep thinking like damn that looks expensive damn they're not going to keep the show for long (laughs) they can't you cannot maintain a show like this um who else is exciting? Oh, I can't. We're gonna let's just talk about my favorite. Uh, Lito Rodriguez is an actor. Yeah, he's he's my favorite too. He's an actor in Mexico City. I I'm just a sucker for this kind of guy. He's playing Tino El Caído, uh, the fallen <laughs> one, in uh, in a movie. I like this is when I told I texted you saying like this show has a plot twist like Modern Family's premiere episode does. <laughs> for people who don't know, the the sitcom Modern Family starts with you not knowing that everyone's related. And so they spend the whole episode with everyone hanging out and then it ends with them meeting each other for a family dinner. And you're like, oh my God. Even though it's like, it's a plot twist that is the setup. So his is like, he's going to kill a priest. And then they're like, cut, that line was wrong. And you're like, oh, it's a movie. I love that jokey twist sometimes. Yeah, I I liked him being an actor a lot more than him being some like murder guy. 
Right. Yeah. If that was actually what it was, it'd be super dumb. Um, Lita's extremely lovable and handsome again. And so when he's in his trailer, he's like trying to psych himself up to figure out how to act basically. And he's having a lot of trouble, but I just love watching him like hit his cheeks and be like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm the fallen one. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bad mm-hmm. man. I'm bad. I'm not a good man. Don't worry about your past. Mm-hmm. And then his uh, co-star comes in and is like, it's so dumb. She's like, do you need some help? I can help you. Wink, wink. Yeah. Well, what's fun, what's interesting about this scene is we'll talk about this, but there's a sex scene that precedes it in a different plot. Right. And so you, you're in the mindset of like, oh, okay, this is like a sexy show, I guess, partly. Yeah. And then he's like grinding his, his, his peen up against the wall. So he's clearly like trying to be this macho um, Adonis-like figure of a guy. Yeah. And then he literally has the stereotypical like, oh, I'm I'm in a nun costume and I'm a pretty lady and li- some I can help you with there, Mister Guy with a boner. And then he just can't, he just can't go through with it. Um, it literally falls in his lap, and it's this like bait and switch, both for him and for her and for the audience of like, no, we're not. He's not the guy that he's trying to. You love as. someone, and she's like, "I hope she's a lovely lady." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question. Is he lying? He he doesn't have a, a girlfriend or anything, right? Uh, I can't tell. I can't tell you that. <laughs> okay. But I love him so much, and everyone in his plot. He has like a basically like two pals, and they're the best. They're just like the best trio of people on the show by a long shot. They're so fun and, and and charming, and I love them. And you get to see Mexico City, which is like a beautiful, beautiful setting. So, um, I want to watch more Sensei just to get the Lido scenes because he's so fucking good. Um, I'm trying to think. I just I know we want to talk about everybody's favorite, but we'll get to that one. Uh, have we missed anyone? I think we only have one left. Um, oh, we have two see. left at least. We have we have the British uh, DJ lady. Who gets a lot of this episode. Yep. We have San Francisco uh, Gal Pride Pals. Pals. Yeah. <laughs> and then, who are we missing? We're missing one. Are we? I'm pretty sure that we are. Let me do a little count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No, we're not. It's just those two. We're not? Yep. Okay. Let's talk about Riley. Riley's the DJ? Yes, Riley from okay, London. Yeah. I didn't even realize this was London until they literally said it. I know it's like on the screen at the beginning, but I missed it. I, I always Well, cuz she's not British, it sounds like. Correct. The actress is not, and I don't think I don't think the character is. Yeah. Well, no, I think the actress is Tuppence Middleton, yeah. She's no. definitely English, but <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel dumb. <laughs> Oops. It's the most British ass name in the whole Tuppence Middleton. Whole world. I saw that in the opening credits and forgot about it. You're like, excuse me? Tuppence Middleton. Oh, I forgot she's in World of Warcraft. Hey, look at that. Oh my god. She's Lady Waycrest. But um her yeah. character doesn't have a British accent. It sounded like German or something. She's not she's not uh uh British. So she's the basic arc of her plot is that she's a DJ. And then she has some friends and they bring some like mysterious, handsome guy to her show. And he's like, oh, my God, she's so good. 
and then they're talking and they're talking about how she's had a weird dream or a weird vision and they're like oh I was hanging out with my nieces when my sister got just died and they <laughs> knew it happened and isn't that crazy limbic resonance blah 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 you know you can do drugs to understand it whoa this plot's so dumb <laughs> goofy i mean it's good because it's like the key to like your the viewer's basic understanding of the show but my problem is like you're talking about how like the best plots on this show are the ones where you have like the cool vibe there's like no vibe in this one it feels like it takes place nowhere that's why i'm saying like i didn't even realize it was in london yeah i guess it's trying to it's trying to create a kind of like edm i don't even know if her music's edm but like Yeah, yeah like a kind of club vibe so it's less so about the place geographically and more so about the the subculture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i guess the thing that i made it hard for me to kind of have a feeling about it was that it turned into this weird like uh like when they shoot each other at the end of this plot and like god that's the end of the episode so fucking silly i really didn't like it i i it didn't add anything for me and it it didn't really feel like it needed to happen i don't know um yeah the problem thing is as i understood it or and i'm i remember it riley is kind of like the one who is the most uh aware and like cognizant of like feeling other people's things like if you notice a lot of the scenes come back to her feeling and hearing other people Mm-hmm. Uh, if other people are like when when Wolfgang is cracking the safe and like he's hearing the clicking of the of the safe yeah, lock, that's when she's listening to her music and hears it or whatever. Yeah, so she like hears and feels other people's things a lot. She like goes and meets Will, kind of. And yeah, the drug the drugs like open her up to do that. Right better. after she takes the drugs, she goes to where Will finds Angelica's body and uh, or not not her body, but the place where she died. And she, he's like, "Do you are you here?" And she's like, "I don't know. I'm I'm just hanging out. I'm on drugs." <laughs> hmm. Um, a lot of people trip out on the show, which kind of makes sense because they're already kind of always feel like. I I think it's fascinating, like um, what they all think is happening. Like some of them think it's a headache. Some of them are like, I'm going crazy. Some of them think, you know, uh, it's drugs. It's whatever. Um, so I think that stuff is interesting, and I don't remember anything. I remember one dumb thing about Riley's plot, but everything else is like a complete blur. I don't particularly like her. Yeah, I I. It's whatever. I I liked some of the the mood in her plot, I guess. Or I just I really liked when she first kind of starts tripping out and and starts flowing into Will's plot. I thought that that was just shot in a way that felt really cool. And yeah, like for sure. I usually don't like like oh we're doing drugs now sequences, but I um I was into it here. Yeah, they handle then, that stuff well. It's not just like wacky visuals. But then at the end where they like shoot the guy and it's like, this is our chance to go to America. It's like, who are you, dude? Who are you? Are you guys all cops? I was confused by that. Yeah, yeah. that w- I was wondering that too because aren't they her friends? I think they're all criminals. They're criminals shooting other criminals. Okay. Because they steal his stuff. They like, they like dig through his pockets and through his house. And the only way they were able to go there was if they brought Riley with them. Nix was his name. God. Also, I think the guy who plays Nix is someone. I forget who he is. Oh no, I don't think he actually is. He looked like someone, but this actor is not who I thought he was. But yeah, I had no interest in that. I here's let me be frank. 
Yeah. And this, this uh, can kind of transition us into the last one. Nice, I think the nice parts of this. The parts of this show that I'm the least interested in are the like action. We're being pursued by a bad guy parts. I don't care about that. Yeah, people running from bad guys is like the least cool stuff on this show. I do not care. The parts that I am like interested in are people floating into each other's minds and understanding each other and seeing each other's experiences and giving each other advice and coping with like how do you live when you have seven other people in your brain mm-hmm. and you're in seven other people's brains? And like, is that a kind of human experience that we should wish for or not? That I find really interesting. The parts of that, by the way, that are like, we're all going to, we're all going to fuck each other, which you've told me happens. I'm less interested in that. Like, obviously that's going to happen and it, it would be weird for the show to not do that. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I'm not in it to really watch that. Um, yeah, it's not the fuckiest show ever, but it's like heads up, this is like a pretty fucky show. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, they, the plot we're about to talk about has a pretty graphic, uh, sex scene in it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, uh, <laughs> our final plot, the one I think is the most emotionally uh, affecting in this one that I liked, just like it made me feel good, mm-hmm. uh, is Nomi Marks and her girlfriend Neats. Uh, Nomi's a trans woman from San Francisco who uh, has experienced a lot of difficulty in her life. You can immediately mm-hmm. sense like she has lived a tough life. You just, I feel like that just radiates from the actress's performance. Yeah. Um, they actually got a trans actress, Jamie Clayton to play I, that, which I was is awesome. Ask. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, they know what they're, they, I think I would, I would hope. Yeah, I, would, I would hope. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I love, I think Neats is awesome. I like her girlfriend a lot. Um, I yeah. think she's really like, again, just pe- there are characters on the show who are just lovable. Like they're just nice, interesting people who care about their partners and want to see them do well. Um, so we get flashbacks to their different experiences and how they're, they're the first uh, pride that they went to where mm-hmm. they went, met one of Neats's old friends who was like pretty openly transphobic to Nomi, um, talking about how like she wrote a political piece and being like, it's just another man doing like we're trying to take down the queer people. And she's yeah, because like, the political okay. piece was like, we don't need LGBT. LGBT. We should just say, I guess we should all just say queer so that we're not like subdividing. Right. Uh, it's and the response was just another man, a colonizing man or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Fucking. Again, car- cartoon transphobia. Like, again, when bad people are bad on the show, they're the most bad. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I just, I think her plot is it is an interesting little chance to explore like how your gender identity and like you already have a sense of like being outside of your body or not feeling like you belong in your body yeah. matters so very much when you're talking about a show where people are like existing in each other's bodies all the time. Hmm. Um, both like physically and mentally and psychologically they're, they're inside of each other. Uh, so I like that stuff. I do think like it's intentional and really cool that it starts with like a queer sex scene um but <laughs> i act i laughed out loud when you just see a, just a dripping strap on fall off the bed and then needs is like did that get rid of your headache and she's like 
I don't know because he fucked my brains out. It's so good. <laughs> it's just so like you guys are not pulling a single punch. You are on Netflix. You don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ten-year-olds could click on this by accident. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's charming as hell. Uh, this that would obviously be a thing for us to have to talk about. Like as a chat show is like what can we talk about with our sex stuff and like where do we draw a line talking about that stuff but yeah i'm glad they i'm honestly glad they included it i think it's like cool because again like sex and like the sexual sensation of being inside of someone else is essential to this show's like thesis yeah for sure so it's it's interesting that they, they kept it but um yeah. yeah the moment that like it definitely feels like this is the part that's going to make you cry and it kind of almost did was uh when she def- when needs defends uh nomi in front of those other people and then nomi's crying and she's like why are you crying like this stuff doesn't bother you anymore and she says i'm crying because no one's ever defended me before yeah. and you just instantly understand her entire life uh or at least her entire life post the heartbreaking thing is you instantly know that because this is a tv show that relationship is going to get blown up by all this weird sensate stuff you would think so right it's just like it's going to get yeah. tough they're going to struggle yeah they they're a little bit stronger than that. Um, I think one of the other great things this show does is like it doesn't like tee you up for heartbreak and then just do it. Like sometimes things are just fine, uh, mm, you know, and sometimes people do die. Like some of these characters that we've seen end up dying and that's like, OK, but uh, sometimes it's just like, yeah, they're going to fight through it. They're going to have their fights. And then honestly, sometimes being a sensate like lets you be more empathetic to other people mm. and understand others better. So like. You know, that's another that's another like fun question we could ask is like, would you want to do this even right. for like a day, you know, just right. to feel it? I um, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would mean. try. I would certainly try it. You oh, know, yeah. why not? For Our, a day? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because like the idea of you get to feel it, it's it's different. It, it's similar and different to the idea of like being in someone else's body literally because you're kind of floating in and out of it. Like you're still yourself, but you feel the sensations and emotions of people who you might not even know. Yeah. It's not being John Malkovich. Like you're still yourself. And also they have an awareness of who you are. And it seems like they're going to get to the point where they all are talking to each other. Right. They're at least aware of each other after a certain point. And they like re- recognize like, Oh, this person's in, in Iceland or whatever. Like that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Riley is from Iceland, by the way, I, I remembered. Ah, okay. That's where her accent is like kind of weird. Um, yeah, that covers the whole episode. Um, overall, let's talk about chat's ability of this show. Yeah. So twenty-four episodes, I believe, two seasons. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty digestible. It's tasty. That's um. Let me quadruple check that number. But yeah, that's not. That's not our longest. Certainly, that would be. Yeah, oh, twenty-four three, episodes. Three Two 12 episode seasons. There's a there's a, a special in there, and the finale is like two hours long. Mm, but okay. otherwise, it's just it's like th- probably three and a half months. Yeah, with a recap and stuff. Hmm. Um. You know, I think I have a couple thoughts about it. Um. I'm really curious to see how they develop the premise and to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I there are some characters that I want to follow more and see more of. There are some characters that I don't really care about seeing more of. Um, I think it has a 
good balance. I was worried it would be too good. Like that's a problem we run into sometimes For sure. with, with chat sh- potential chat shows. Um, and I think on in some moments it is too good. Um, mm-hmm. But there isn't. There's enough stupid shit in here that <laughs> that we could uh, have a balanced kind of fun discussion about it. Um, it would be our first show that was made to be streamed, which is yeah, a consideration mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it, it's something to consider. And then it, the other thing is it would be our most recent show. It's it's only from four years ago. Yeah. And uh, that means that it, I don't know that it is like aged enough that people have, people are yearning to talk about it again. I don't even know if that works with streaming shows because like with revisiting shows that were on on tv back in the day a couple decades ago or whatever you know you get people who watched it and it was a few years of their life where it was part of their life and then and then it's gone and now people have this kind of like nostalgia for it that i think is fun for us to engage with i really enjoy talking with people who like watched Babylon 5 when it originally aired and have memories of what it was like or how it impacted them and doing a show that's this recent and that was streaming <laughs> and what are the memories that people are going to share like oh on June 6th of 2015 I, I, I binge watched it <laughs> that that day I had a bagel for breakfast <laughs> it's like there isn't really a kind of human experience tied up in that to the same extent yeah, um, when I, I just remember when I was uh, watching it, it's like I don't, I didn't take the whole time. I took like two weeks and finished it, you know, like yeah. And then it was just done. And I didn't think about it for a while. So it's I I, I want to take it to the next stage. I uh-huh. think mm-hmm. um, because I'm curious to see if the second episode hooks me once I see more of like how the characters interact with each other. Um. It's not the show that I'm the most excited to cover because of some of those things that I just said. Yeah. But I think it would be really fun to talk about. And I think definitely it's a show that if if we gave it, if we don't do it this time and we gave it a couple of years. Uh, yeah, it, let it age a little might, bit more maybe. maybe. We might come around on it and be like, okay, now it's, now's a good time to, to talk about it. Because there's, um, I also really at one point want to do Orphan Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Orphan Black has had like 10 podcasts about it or something and it's very recent Yeah, and also like looks pretty beautiful and sometimes is really good and sometimes is really stupid and it has the same problem for us of like it's too recent it was too in the zeitgeist uh, and it's too aware of like how people watch TV now in a way that it is not geared towards how we talk about things, but maybe if we get distance on it, like we could do a Sense8 season and then an Orphan Black season, you know, in like five years or something like that. Right, and I think just in, as a sort of like, uh, what is it called when you're the devil? Devil's advocate devil's argument. Devil's advocate. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a devil's advocate argument for that. It's like we talk a lot sometimes people don't love it when we talk about how like shows age well or not. I think that's always like an important conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's a different kind of conversation when a show hasn't aged 
Like, right. period. It hasn't aged, right. not well or badly. It's just, it feels mostly new. Um, there are even parts, though, in this where I was, like, uh, talking about, like, maybe dropping the LGBT is so, is a very 2015-ass, like, <laughs> yeah, queer yeah. people argument. Like, uh, it's just, there are already parts that are, like, a little bit old, but mm. not really. And, like, the themes are still super-duper relevant today, like, between the internet and how we all, like, connect to each other and um these like ideas of transhumanism and uh, we're all connected and stuff like all that stuff is relevant as hell but um i agree like sometimes when a show is too new it just feels like people are just gonna watch this and then put it behind them yeah and that might make it a less memorable show to watch yeah uh so i think that's a great point but if we're willing to take it to the second episode i'm not gonna like dump all my spoilers on you because i'm still no don't ever dump because i still want to watch it yeah, if you don't, if we don't even end up chancing we, it. I even do, if we don't do it. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like the rest of that, at least the first season, because it's so interesting. My, I think my opinion on Sense Eight is, I think we will chats it someday. Uh huh. I don't know if we maybe will not chats next. It next, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. so that's definitely a next rounder. Uh, that we might, or or we might put a. a or, or do you think it's the next round or do you think we should just say no for now and then say come back to this in the future i think the latter i think we should say yes like uh put a pin in it okay like this is one that we will watch one day but i know that i don't want to watch it next that's super fair okay okay uh do you have okay do you have any stray thoughts about sense eight um i i don't i uh i have actually a question about a related piece of media have you seen the movie in your eyes i have not i thought of it when we were talking about this um it's a romantic uh kind of drama from 2014 written by joss whedon Uh that that (laughs) well that stars zoe kazan is like a okay it's kind of stereotypical she's like kind of a you know, stay-at-home wife, uh, kind of like sheltered, lonely woman, and then she develops a sensate kind of connection with this like charismatic bad boy guy. Mm-hmm. And then the over the course of the movie, they realize that they can like talk to each other's brains, and they have like a an affair inside their minds and stuff. Um, Interesting. It's, I remember it being good when I watched it. There's some stuff that if I watched it again, I'm sure it'd be like, oh, this is kind of cheesy or kind of dumb. But it's like talking about the parts of Sense8 that I liked reminded me of that movie because it has similar things. Like what what would it be like to be totally connected to another person? So if people haven't seen that, I'd recommend checking it out. In your eyes, very cool. Uh, I do like Zoe Kazan, so maybe I think she's great. She's also in another great romantic drama, uh, Ruby Sparks. Oh yeah, you're a big Ruby Sparks stan. I'm a big Ruby Sparks stan. That's Paul Dano. Like, um, has a typewriter that he can create whatever he wants by writing it, and he creates the ideal woman. But then, uh, that hilarity ensues really <laughs> yeah like weird psychodrama ensues very cool yeah yeah i think um that's the other thing with it being a netflix series is uh it was designed to be bin- like not necessarily designed to be binged um 
this show does benefit from a little bit of like sitting with it, remembering how you liked it and then like moving on to it to the next Mm -hmm. episode. But Mm -hmm. all of the plots, like you said, are so small that like you can binge this show and be like, Oh, now I got a full season of story out of this. Like, these all went in interesting places. Like once you find your favorites, you just keep watching because you're like, I want to get to like the next really good uh, Wolfgang scene or I want to see the next like cool part of this because they yeah. just come at you fast and furious. Very cool. Um, I think with that, we're going to call it an episode of Pilot Chats, Magellan. Let's call it an episode of Pilot Chats. Um, thank you everyone for listening to that episode. Uh, we obviously appreciate you being here as a patron. Um, your support matters and helps us continue doing chats, the main show, as well as cool bonus content like this. If you have questions or comments, of course, leave a comment here under this episode on Patreon, or you can email us chatspot at gmail.com. We're going to read those. Um, Magellan, do you want to read? Do we have any wanted to read the comments from the last pilot chats before yeah, we talk about me, what we're watching? Let me crack crack that open for you, my friend. You goon, you clown. Can you remind me? So last week we watched, or last time rather, we watched Duckman and Clone High. What were our what were our determinations on those? We said no to Duckman, right? It's too yeah. long. And we said Clone High would be part of a series of mini chats if okay, we wanted so, to do it. So Clone High is a is a maybe or a yes? Yeah. It's Wh- a next round. Oh, it's a maybe. Round. Okay. I would say, so let me fix these next. I will just say maybe. Anything that's a maybe we'll take to another round. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, so you you want to know what people are saying about this? About those? I do. You want to hear them? Please tell me. Um, I'm checking the Patreon. Do you want to check our uh, our email? Yes. Okay. Yes. May I see it? No. <laughs> Okay, so last time we watched Duckman and Clone High, and we've got a couple comments here. So Nick says, a suggestion for one half of uh, the next cartoon double feature is a show called Undergrads, a show that lasted for one season but forever in our hearts and in reruns. Note, in 2018, the creator finally secured the movie rights from MTV and completed a Kickstarter to fund a new movie. Let me look at uh, what this looks like undergrads animated series okay so they kind of it kind of looks like recess a little bit Ooh, i like recess uh, i guess yeah it's like kind of ah uh, space camp wonder if they'll let us make craters <laughs> did i ever tell you i told you that story right no i don't think so i watched the recess movie so many times on dvd that one of the scenes would skip on my dvd a lot which is when the diggers are getting onto the bus to go to space camp and they just, when they get on it, they go, ah, space camp. Wonder if they'll let us dig craters. Because that part would loop over and over and over again. And they just <laughs> haven't committed to memory. Nah. It's my recess memory. That's funny. Um, speaking of this undergrad show, I think that we could watch Undeclared as a, as a pilot chance. Can you chance. Undeclared? Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe. It's worth, it's worth adding to the list, why not? I think we could toss it in. It's very quick. I think it's quick and fun. And it the value of it is like, look at all these famous ass people. Oh true. That are like in this before they're in other stuff. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think it's slightly less chatsable than Freaks and Geeks. Let's put it that way. And we did that. And we did that. Uh Ryan or oh, then 
Uh, Nick goes on to say, I think I was more interested in the end of uh, in the end for Clone High than Duckman. I've only seen one ep of both before, uh, though not ep one, and I think Clone High is just better writing, and the animation on Duckman throws throws me still. Yeah, that was generally where we landed on it. I think we like Duckman more than Nick is saying here, but uh, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Ryan says, Duckman does delve into more character developments and arcs over the show, but like you said, not a strictly serialized format. What would have been interesting to hear uh, if you did it on the show, other than the character character dynamics, is how the show really dives hard into deep social commentary and satire, as you saw it briefly touched on in the first episode. The character of Bernice does get better. That's his uh, sister, his um, sister-in-law. sister-in-law. Yeah. Does get better and does at certain times like, agree, support, or defend Duckman. And when that does happen, it can even be heartbreaking. Duckman may not work for the show, like you said, but it does get more layered as it goes along. And I would recommend watching more of it and then checking out an episode called About Face, which is just wonderfully sad. Uh, The cannibal was not Tim Curry, uh, but Charles Shaughnessy who is best known for being Mr. Sheffield in The Nanny. Oh, my God. But Mr. Sheffield. (laughs) Miss Fine. Uh, And he appears a few more times in Duckman and even turns up as the sexy British live-action version of Duckman in a whole episode. You made that up. That's funny, but you made that up. That's fun. Uh, It's so funny that that's what we recognized him, or that's at least what I must have recognized him from. (laughs) And then uh, Ryan links us in interview of jason alexander talking about his time on duckman so if you want to see that link you should get on the patreon to see it yeah it's uh it's interesting it's like i don't usually see jason alexander being straight-faced yeah nick says i think i'm just not used to seeing jason talk in such a relaxed manner yeah and then he links a (laughs) clip of jason in in star trek which is bonko to me hmm but apparently jason alexander was either in star trek yeah ultimate star ultimate trek star trek's greatest moments Special from 1999. Interesting. 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 Delightfully devilish, Seymour. Let's uh, tell the kids what we're watching next time on Pilot Chats. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Because I I didn't actually find any emails, but that's okay. No Pilot Chats emails. Nothing. Um, Yeah, so next time we are continuing that really the only reason we're doing this next one um next is because we're continuing the theme of the number of the episode being in the title of the show so this was pilot chats eight eight and we watched sense eight next for pilot chats nine we are watching a uh series that i suggested we watch it was an anime that aired on toonami in the u.s in 2003 and i remember watching it when i was uh, a young kid and being fascinated by it and thinking it was so cool. So we're going to revisit it and see if it really was cool. It's called Cyborg 009. And part of the reason that I thought of it is because Netflix recently uh, put out like a Cyborg 009 movie. Um, so it's like 009 re cyborg, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So it's, it's back. It's back, baby. It's back in the zeitgeist. We're talking about it. Hell yeah. Um, so, we're, like you said, we're, we're specifically watching the one that's 2001 Cyborg 009 Cyborg Soldier. Um, yeah. it's, the, it's got a pretty good dub, and it's also available in Japanese where you can find those anime things. Um, I remember hearing about it because uh, Devilman came back a couple, like a year or two ago with Devilman Crybaby, 
and Devilman and Cyborg Zero Nine both kind of came up around the same time in the 60s, like late 60s anime, and then mm. both had reboots also around the same time. I think the Devilman reboot was in like the 80s though, but they both, uh, and then they did a crossover like OVA where it was like Devilman versus the Cyborg Zero Zero Nine, which mm. is pretty cool. Just like different old anime together. Um, Devilman Crabby is fucking good, by the way, if we want to just talk about good anime, but we'll talk about that next week as we watch the first episode of Cyborg 009. Thank you, dear listeners, so much for listening to this episode of Pilot Chats. Peace. Recognized him, or that's at least what I must have recognized him from. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan links us a, an interview of Jason Alexander talking about his time on Duckman, so if you want to see that link, you should get on the Patreon to see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's like I don't usually see Jason Alexander being straight-faced. Yeah, Nick says, I think I'm just not used to seeing Jason talk in such a relaxed manner. <laughs> yeah, and then he links a clip of Jason in, in Star Trek, which is bonko to me. Mm. But apparently Jason Alexander was either in Star Trek. Yeah, Ultimate Star Ultimate Trek, Star Trek's Greatest Moments. Special okay. from 1999. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Delightfully devilish, Seymour. Let's... Uh, tell the kids what we're watching next time on Pilot Chats. Yeah, let's do it. Because uh, I, I didn't actually find any emails, but that's okay. No Pilot Chats comments. Nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, so next time we are continuing that really the only reason we're doing this next one um, next is because we're continuing the theme of the number of the episode being in the title of the show. So this was Pilot Chats 8, eight and we watched Sense8. Next for pilot chats nine we are watching a uh series that i suggested we watch it was an anime that aired on toonami in the u.s in 2003 and i remember watching it when i was uh a young kid and being fascinated by it and thinking it was so cool so we're gonna revisit it and see if it really was cool it's called cyborg 009 <gasps> And part of the reason that I thought of it is because Netflix recently uh, put out like a Cyborg 009 movie. Um, so it's like 009 Re Cyborg, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. So it's it's back. It's back, baby. It's back in the zeitgeist. We're talking about it. Hell yeah! Uh, so we're, like you said, we're we're specifically watching the one that's 2001 Cyborg 009 Cyborg Soldier. Um, yeah. It's the it's got a pretty good dub and it's also available in Japanese where you can find those anime things. Um, I remember hearing about it because uh, Devilman came back a couple like a year or two ago with Devilman Crybaby, and Devilman and Cyborg Zero Nine both kind of came up around the same time in the '60s, like late '60s anime, and then mm. both had reboots also around the same time. I think the Devilman reboot was in like the '80s though, but they both. Uh, and then they did a crossover like OVA where it was like Devilman versus the Cyborg 009, which is pretty cool. Just like different old anime together. Um, Devilman Crabby is fucking good, by the way, if we want to just talk about good anime. But we'll talk about that next week as we watch the first episode of Cyborg 009. Thank you, dear listeners, so much for listening to this episode of Pilot Chats. Peace.